I, for one, cannot believe that it is the end of 2021. I've gotten into this habit of saying that years are nearly irrelevant because everything has felt like such a mashup ever since the world shut down in March of 2020. But the Western calendar really is coming to a close and we need to memorialize this year with you so we can set you all up for the journey ahead. You're listening to the Dear White Women podcast, the show that helps white women use their privilege to uproot systemic racism. And we are your biracial Japanese and white hosts, Sarah and Misasha. All right. So in this year end recap, I think it's important that we start with some stats about the podcast and what we've been up to on the Dear White Women platform. I mean, before we go into like what on earth has been devastating to this country and where we're going to go from here. I think let's start on that note. Okay. So first of all, we have released and in certain cases re-released episodes 96 through 146 before Mm. this episode, right? That is if you're counting an episode a week. And this year, we also released our 100th episode, which obviously was at the beginning, closer to the beginning of the year, featuring Professor Irvin Staub, where we talked about good versus evil, which is ironic, I think, as we saw that question play out over and over again throughout this year. Uh Ah, good times. Also, in case you've been under a rock, our book was published on October 12th, 2021. Dear White Women, let's get uncomfortable talking about racism. And despite the pointed title, we've gotten rave reviews about the welcoming tone and its practicality. And it's, you know, really differentiating itself among the anti-racism books out there. And our audiobook was published in December. On top of that, sort of on the heels of the book, we actually have launched our speaking business, which has included talks given in corporations for schools and parents as part of conferences, which was amazing to bring the message of our book and our whole platform to a wider audience. So if you are interested in that, let us know. Another win. And if you didn't know about this little secret, we have a book club. Our book club read six books, meeting sort of every six weeks or so. We've read books like The Sum of Us, Mediocre, The New Jim Crow, How the Word Has Passed, Rage Becomes Her, and A Radical Awakening. We really go deep and personal in a lot of these books. So if you want in on this small live virtual group discussion, let us know. And on top of that, I am celebrating our win because we finally started, I was going to swear, but I'll keep it clean giving a hoot about our social media. We are growing it. We're paying attention to it. So if you are not yet following us on Instagram and Twitter, it is time. Go find us in those places. So when I'm thinking about this year too, I think about how we've really had like just the amazing ability and opportunity to interview some people that I feel like we would never have had the chance to talk to otherwise right along the way. And so Sarah, I want to ask you, as we think back about this year, what are like a couple guests that stood out for you? You're not really going to make me just pick a couple of guests. I'm totally going to make you do it. There were so many good guests. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. One couple recently, actually, I had always been afraid of the word abolitionists and abolition. So getting to speak with Derricka Purnell was incredible. John Tateishi also recently being able to really dig into the Japanese American internment camp experience with someone who survived it. I never thought in my life that I would actually get to talk to living history. And so those conversations recently stood out for me, but we've had so many incredible ones through the year. How about for you? You know, it's kind of like being asked if you have a favorite child, right, (laughs) by your kids. That's a really tough question because I also think that because we've been recording weekly or because we, you know, produce this weekly show, 
it's hard to remember the start of the year in so many ways. But, you know, I loved the themes that we started the year with, because I think when we think about conspiracy theories, or we think about the role of white women, or we think about anger. That was this year. You're right. Mm -hmm. And how we talked to so many people about those topics, and then how we saw them play out in so many different spheres, you know, which we'll get into a little bit later. Like, I think that unknowingly, we really set that groundwork for how we built out this year. Yes, I would agree. I really could go on. Like there were just so many more. The ladies at the opt-in. Yeah, like, so, I don't know. Anyway. I know. I love them. But what about favorite episodes? Like not favorite guests, favorite episodes. Hmm. I have to say, I think I've discussed this several times on the show, but if people haven't heard it, I know Misasha, you have heard this, but after the shootings in Atlanta, when I had a call from somebody who said, look, I've known I've had to call my black friends before when shootings have happened, but I never thought I'd have to call you as an Asian woman because Asian women were murdered. And how are you doing? I was finally seen as an Asian person living in like my predominantly white communities. And at that moment, my identity sort of as a biracial woman came sort of crashing together. I felt like I fully was grounded and I was seen and I was whole. And the subsequent episodes that we recorded where I felt free and like truly to express my feelings and understand that my experiences as being biracial were valid. Like I felt that was one of the most memorable series of conversations that I've had on the show with you. How about you? I mean, those, the episode we recorded right after the Atlanta shootings and then our May episodes where we really talk about Asian American history and in particular treatment of Asian women in this country was very personal. So I think that that was some of the ones where we've been the most open, right, about how we feel. Because a lot of what we do is not necessarily discussing how we feel in so many ways, is sort of stringing, you know, creating this whole narrative of what we do, like listening and taking that to the historical perspective and then taking that to the practical. But this was very personal for both of us. So I think those. And then personally, I also love a good episode where we can talk about how democracy is failing in this country. Because I think like, I know you're laughing, but I really, and I was just reading this on Twitter the other day where it was, I think it was Nicole Hannah-Jones, who wrote this tweet, but she was saying, I used to read about history, but now I am reading about authoritarianism and fascism and democracy, because that is those are what we are going to need to understand to keep our democracy from failing. And I did like a terrible paraphrase of what she probably very eloquently said in less characters. But I feel like there's this gigantic warning bell that's being sounded. And people are kind of like, that's great but I've got some reality TV to watch. But the reality is, right, that this, we have, we are at this inflection point for our democracy. So any episode where we get to talk about that and really talk about that in ways that I think bring it home for people, those I love. Mm. I like that too. And it's interesting because I was going to ask you about impactful episodes. That feels impactful to me. And I want to hear what, how you would elaborate, like those were favorite episodes or impactful episodes? Both, I think. Well, so on Impactful, I think that what I heard from Asian women after we released those episodes was really impactful because the message that I was hearing was that we heard you using your voices. And so we know as Asian women, we can use ours too. And I think that 
if you've been culturally trained to not use your voice and also in this country to be seen as, you know, all the stereotypes of being meek and demure and, you know, exotic and voiceless, right? And to suddenly realize your own agency, those episodes and anything that really helps people find that agency, right? Like gives people the facts. That's why I love like the filibuster episodes or, I mean, it's very sometimes technical, but I think when people understand the facts and not just this broad, vague idea of what is the constitution, what is the Supreme Court, right? But really understands like the power that those nine justices have to shape the future, right? Of our country legally. Like, I think that that helps people find what they can do. But what about you? What for you were the most impactful episodes this year? It's like, you can tell the difference in our personalities here, folks, (laughs) with my answers. Because my answer, while I 100% agree, I still feel like I'm constantly learning and new at what you were just discussing and and understanding like the depth of kind of the turning point, the tipping point that we are at right now. When I think about what was most impactful to me, it is actually very personal. It was the episode with Christine Platt on the Afro-minimalism. Because every time I look around my desk, I'm like, how can I minimize and just surround myself with things I love and be true to myself? And then I think about the Nirvana soul conversation about building community and being grounded and deep and pulling in artwork from and music from the community. Like, the feelings of both of those episodes have stayed with me and continue to come back to me in thought all the time in my daily life. And so that is for me, some of the most impactful episodes that we've had this year. I love that because I think that the focus on community has been something that we really focused on this year and the power of community, right? And so I can say that because of that focus, I can see it in other parts of like our work, right? And then Mm -hmm. the work that we do separately too. So speaking of this year, let's just take it back a little bit to like what was going on in 2021, right? In the world at large and, and, you know, maybe not the world at large, but in the United States, let's say. And I think it's important to do this section because we just talked about how we are at an inflection point in our democracy. Like we don't want you to gloss over what really has been happening and how we are living history at this moment, because there is no doubt, like we said in our opening episode of 2021, the history books are being written right now. And what side do we want to be on? How will this play out? We are in the middle of making these decisions. And each one of us with every vote that we cast and every conversation we have with our community is going to make a difference in how these books are being written. So I do want to spend some time talking about where we are, what we think are the important things about what's happened this year in the world. Yeah. And we started... You know, if you heard our intro to last week's episode, our re-release episode, we talked about the next two dates that I'm going to talk about. But and this goes back to the start of 2021, right? We were just out of 2020. We had just gone through a new year and January 5th was a huge date, right, for the country because it was this historic senatorial runoff in Georgia. And that gave the wins in Georgia by the Democrats gave Democrats control of the Senate, which was a huge thing that was up for grabs. And as we know in our political history in this country, if you control the Senate, that enables you to get a lot of policies, at least, you know, through the Senate. And whether or not they actually are signed into law, that's one thing, right? But it opened the door for a different agenda. 
However, we couldn't really actually understand the impact of what happened January 5th because suddenly on January 6th, we all know what happened, right? We are sitting there watching, right? At least that was me, like in horror, really, as you see these scenes unfolding that you never thought would happen in your own country, right? In your lifetime, let's say. And I think what we are learning, and we're recording this episode right now in the middle of December, so there might be, there will be, I'm sure, even more that's come out by the time you hear this. But as we're recording this, we've got the PowerPoint that came out from Mark Meadows' documents, the text messages. You know, who knew what is a very interesting question. And along with all the other documents that are being subpoenaed and that are being released by the January 6th Commission, indicates that we still only know part of how bad this could have been, right? This could have been the coup that all these documents were preparing for. It wasn't. But the scarier question that we need to ask ourselves as we reflect back and as we continue to not look away from this January 6th commission is when will this happen again? And I think it's really important to phrase it that way because it is when, it's not if, okay? We are way past if. If is kind of a nice to have at this point. We are at when. So I think it's very, very important to not just sweep 2021 under the rug because what started 2021 is going to translate into what happens in 2022. Yikes. And I think you're correct. The year then kept going, right? We slid right into the rest of the year with Asian hate, mass shootings, more killings, rights rollbacks like voting and reproductive rights and so much more all against a backdrop of COVID and all of the variants that are continuing to come out. And we would be here for hours if we went into each of those events. So we can cut to the chase. I mean, Misasha, when we talked about what side of history will you be on, what for you was the inflection point this year where you feel like you really took a stand on one side of history? Well, I think I was at the start of the year, right? I think that I was very clear around what I wanted to happen on January 5th. And then on January 6th, when you see something like that, you are immediately on a side, right? I think you are on a side. I mean, by default, I guess you could be like, there are very fine people on both sides. But in reality, how you react to that, you are on a side. And do you take the side of democracy, right? Really, I think this is a fundamental question about democracy. Or do you take this an authoritarian viewpoint of how things are going to go. And I realize that's probably oversimplifying it, but I think it was on that date on January 6th. And as we learn more about it, maybe those next couple of days, right, that I took that stand, right? I'm going to be pro-democracy. Like, I'm going to love the Constitution for what it actually says and not how I would like it to read, if that makes sense. What about you? What was that moment? Mm, I think you're the same. And I think that gut reaction of the last time I remember looking at horror at the TV screen was at 9-11 when your jaw is just dropped. And I'm watching this from afar. I was in Japan at the time. And similarly, I was like, it felt surreal. But then to see what was really happening and understand that this was not something far away, but it was something very foundational to our country and what we were letting people do to institutions that need to be kept sacred my reaction was very much like, oh, and I don't know the constitution like you do. So it's hard for me to say that it's from like this academic place, but it was in my gut that that sort of desecration, that sort of respect, that was not a show of free protests. And so I could tell where my reaction was that day. 
Yeah. I don't think it has to be necessarily an academic reaction either. Like, I think that if you think about what, and obviously there's a lot of issues with what we've been taught as kids, right? But if you think about, you know, how you feel about your country, right? And what you want to see happen in your country, that is kind of a gut reaction um, in a lot of ways. And, you know, speaking of gut reaction and listening to your body, right? I think what we also really learned this year and what we talked about a lot on the podcast as well is the importance of self-care. And, you know, going back to, you know, how we sort of started this section or finished our last section, the importance of community and really the importance of seeing the humanity in each and every one of us, right? As we are more alike than different. And as you, you listeners are listening to this episode, we hope that you can think of at least one moment from this past year where you thought about the importance of those things as well. And so Sarah, I wanna ask you, I know we just talked about sort of like the worst parts of history of last year, but what were those moments for you of joy and self-care and the, that really important, you know, feeling of humanity and embodying that? I mean, you as my best friend, you know, yes, I know we're quote business partners and co-authors, but as my best friend, also, you know, probably better than anyone else in the world, what a hard year I had in this realm. And I totally did the thing that as a trained life coach and as someone who really tends to be really strong with self-care pillars and boundaries, basically let myself slide. And I withdrew from community. I sucked at self-care. My body fell apart this year. And it was really only around the time of our book launch in October, where actually a lot of other stuff happened with my family members. And as I worked to get sort of pillars of support propped up underneath them, I realized that I don't need to actually be nearly like done and fried with fatigue before I look out for myself. Like I realized I did all the things I needed to for everyone else. And it was high time that I get my life back in order too. And so I got some health stuff looked at. I got like just pillars of support for myself. And I actually started seeing friends again. Like, I don't know what happened. It was a dark year for me. And I think that combination of some of the work that we do that I think is really important to do, but also with COVID, it was really hard for me. So I would say around our book launch, I really felt like I got my act together and I loved starting to see people again. It has been amazing and traveling really pulled the bandaid off of that for the book. So I feel like that was all a really healthy turning point for me. That's probably more than anybody who's listening actually cares to know. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't say I wouldn't sell yourself short like that. You know, I think I talked about this in our fall episode or like the start of fall, right? But I think that the summer for me was, which feels like also a million years ago, but especially being in the Bay Area where it has been so strict, right, around COVID procedures and to just have for a hot second, you know, my kids be able to play sports outdoors without a mask and to see them play with other kids, like not, you know, behind six feet away from each other or behind like three walls of plexiglass or whatever, um, and be able to just sit in the stands with other parents and which sounds like something so basic, right? Something that we just take for granted and something that I can't say I necessarily have loved all the time, but 
those moments and the summer, right? I'm very, I grew up in LA. So, you know, anything below your California weather wimp. <laughs> yeah. Anything below 67 degrees. And I'm like, well, where's my sweater of uh, five of them, but just, you know, the summer weather and just the ability to be outside and to have those moments and have slower pace of life and not worry about, you know, are my kids on zoom or are they not on zoom? and just have those moments to breathe. I thought that that was, those were some of like the highlights for me where it was just, it wasn't so structured. I wasn't so worried all the time about how everything was gonna happen. And I'm like waving my hands around my head like that. Cause I feel like once the fall happened and we got super busy with the book launch and all of that, which was amazing. And I think the conversations coming out were amazing, but I got back into that worry mode, you know, the worry and, I'm trying to be everything for everyone. And then I forget about who am I to myself. I think the summer like was really, if I think back to like a prolonged period of that, not that there aren't periods of that now. That's cool. It's freedom. But yeah, I think that. I think it's all important for us to think about what that means and who gets to have that or not. And what privileges do we need to have in order for that freedom feeling to be even around? Because I thought I was fine and I really wasn't in hindsight, right? Like, and so. I did have one moment of joy and self-care. So if anybody ever wants to take me up on this, I freaking love laser tag. That is joy and self-care right there. (laughs) I was waiting for you to say laser tag. (laughs) That was so freaking fun. It was like the one time where I was like, "Ah, this is amazing. Okay, so more of that in the future. But I think the question really is, here we are now, end of 2021. Where does that leave us heading into 2022, right? And I mean, you know... I used to do New Year's, well, I never, not New Year's resolutions, which I never really liked, but I loved like a word or an intention of the year, which I know you did not like. But no, there's a backstory because I do not like it because the one and only time I did it was in 2020. And I was like, fine, I'm going to have a word of the year. Okay. I was so proud of myself because I had finally picked a word of the year and it's something you do and you're so good at it. And I was just like, all right, I'm going to get my act together. And then we all know what happened in 2020. So I've decided that word of the year jinx the whole thing. So totally irrational. I understand that connection is, but like, yeah, I'm never doing it again. So, oh, my kids laughed at me at the 2020 new year mark because in Japanese tradition, sort of how you start the new year sets the table or sets, is that the right phrase? Like sets the tone groundwork mm-hmm. for like the rest of your year. And the kids slept on our floor. We had a whole time together. I was like, look, we're going to have a lot of togetherness this I year. And my that. kids at the end of the year were like, <laughs> don't ever say that word again, mom on new year's. I'm like, okay. All right. That sounds Steve. good. Okay. So you can't say that. And I'm just never doing a word of the year. Okay. I'll never say never, but you know, no, I'm good. <laughs> so how about instead of word of the year or intention, what about getting really tangible with this, thinking about one thing you can do to make change and it doesn't have to be big. And sometimes the best things are often the smallest ones because it's not about the action itself. It's about the impact that that action can have. And so again, assuming you're not going to do a word, what would you want to commit to doing, Misasha? This wasn't in the script, so I hate it when you put me on this one like this. Or maybe we can think about it and all of us come back in 2022 to share. You all can share with us. No, I, okay, so I've got one, you know, and I've been talking about it a lot more recently, but it's asking why. I'm going to ask why more because I think I ask why sometimes in a very intellectual sense, but sometimes I don't ask why I feel like I have 
curiosity about certain things, but not about other things. And I want to think more about being curious about so much more because I think that's what happened. Like, it's so easy to take things for granted, right? And then that's when nothing changes. But if I'm asking why, then maybe the answers that I get back cause me to rethink something and change how I act. That's what I'm going to be doing. At least one of the things. Oh, I like it. What about you? Oh, we can just gloss over me. <laughs> nope. <laughs> you either have to share a word for 2022 or you've got to share um, an action item. So I'm coming out of this funk, right? And just sort of recalibrating my life. Like literally I spent a few days this week channeling Christine Platt of the Afro-Minimalist and reducing the clutter and like addressing all the paperwork that was on my desk and simplifying. And it's not about simplifying. I was thinking... Then like one of the things I missed was community. And what if I got to have more dinner parties and then who could I invite and be more intentional about inviting into my circle? So that's where I was been sitting with this idea of being more intentional with my choices. And that at the same time, I overanalyze stuff a lot. And I think, so I don't want to set myself up to go down a rabbit hole, which is why I don't have a clear answer for you yet. But I think it's something like engaging with more intention. Mm. Because I know I'm not, I get intimidated by like large groups or parades or big things like that. But I think the other side of it was that I disengaged or I, I hid a lot this year. And so what can I do to be true to myself and still intentionally engage with things that might make a difference? So I'm mulling this over, but that's where mm. I'm at. All right. I'm going to ask you in one of our like mid-year recaps or something about okay. this. Okay. I'll so. see. I'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for sticking with us this year, for choosing intentionality, see, right? I'm using that word already <laughs> over sort of one-off actions and for really committing to uncomfortable conversations and questioning the status quo, like that thing you were just saying, why? And for picking empathy, even when everything else and everyone else is urging us to cancel each other. We see you and we're here for you. If you can invite some of your people to join in this journey with us, whether through our book or podcast or speaking stuff, please do. And more than anything, cheers to 2022. You're still here learning how to uproot systemic racism one conversation at a time. Our fresh news, we have a brand new book that's available for pre-order. So find us on bookshop.org at Dear White Women and order. And then make sure you follow the Dear White Women podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts so you can keep getting the newest episodes each Wednesday. And don't forget to rate and review us as you share our show with your friends. Follow us on Instagram at Dear White Women Podcast and Twitter at DWW Podcast. And if you love us, support our Patreon or look for ways you can bring us into your place of employment or circle of influence for a talk or ask us about our webinars and consulting work. Thanks for being here.